It is day five and I feel alive, baby. Bars! Today we have the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jaguars. The, the soon to be, I think, London Jaguars. I think we all, I think we all like just let's just accept that now. We could just like start practicing that. Uh, but anyway, the Jaguars are up next. The AFC South begins with the most exciting team in the division, the Jacksonville Jaguars. But don't forget, even though you're listening to this right now, you can still be your own expert. Be your own expert. You're the guy. You're the guy or gal that's gonna win this championship, and you can get all the tools you need at the Fantasy Football by Brodo app and Fantasy uh, BrodoFantasy.com. And if you want to support and keep the app free and get tons of extras, including an extra episode every week, access to Brodo leagues, access to us all the time on the Discord, free merch opportunities, so so many things, so many things I can't even explain. Patreon.com/slash/BrodoFantasy to support the show. Most importantly, first and foremost, and you want us to keep bringing the heat, that's what you got to do, baby. That's what keeps the lights on. But for now, let's get into these Jaguars. It's the heat wave, kid. Day five. Tonight, yet another staggering heat wave striking fantasy football. Hot So hot and hot. So hot So when I was thinking about how are we going to start this AFC South, because this AFC South is not the best division in the world. I'm like, we got to start with the, the most exciting team in the division. And that's the Jacksonville Jaguars. And in my excitement, I am joined by an exciting duo. Oh, oh, oh. It is my brother, Mike, and the Dynasty Don. Mike, the, the lead analyst and editor. YouTube.com slash BroFantasy if you want to make sure that's correct. And yeah. uh, the Dynasty Don himself. Matt Ward. What's up, guys? So I'm, I'm going to preface this by saying I look and sound like a wild mongoose. Apologies. I'm a little a little sick. <laughs> a wild but, mongoose. Is it uh, interesting? I mean, that, that's what came to me. You're a little mongoose now, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Matt. You got, a, you got a great shirt on, though. Is that penguins? Yeah, it's a black shirt with a white penguins outlined so, on it. So do do mongooses eat penguins? I would imagine they do. So you're just like you're I being mean, if they were ever in the same area. I yeah, I don't like think mongooses and penguins like a grassland and a glacier animal, man. Interact. You really much. have to force them into a pit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, do you know who definitely would eat a penguin? I think a jaguar. A jaguar would eat a penguin and uh there's no team called the penguins, but there there should be the Alaska penguins. The Pittsburgh what? penguins in hockey. Penguins in the NHL. I mean, there's yeah. That's true. But the NHL is not a, you know, that's not, know. <laughs> that's not a, real that's not real. I mean, it's definitely a real sport, but it's not like, you know, this whole thing is real. If, if the NFL wanted penguins, they'd be like, yo, listen, sorry, but we're taking penguins. Uh, but with that, with that being said, uh, let's get into the offensive outlook. The first uh, section uh, that we love doing because the offensive outlook is you, you could talk about the players, but they're like chess pieces. Right. And you want a queen. You want every player to be on the chessboard to be a queen. But if you have someone that can't move those chess pieces around, then you're shit out of luck. Uh, and the Jaguars are hoping that year two of their head coach, Doug Peterson, uh, is another leap after the Urban Meyer train wreck. That was the Jaguars uh, three and 14. Um, they're nine and eight last year. They won the AFC South uh, and he brings in a familiar favorite. 
Colts offensive coordinator slash assistant and longtime Eagles quarterback coach Press Taylor to help bolster this young offense and take that next step. Let's talk about Press Taylor a little bit. First season in Jacksonville, his 10th season in the NFL, spent between 2013 and 2020 on uh, Philadelphia's coaching staff, which look, if you're if you're touched by Philadelphia right now, then you are uh, yeah. you are blessed by the NFL. Gods. Yeah. Uh, and he he played and he also coached under Doug Peterson for five seasons, helped the Colts become one of six offensive units in the NFL to have a thousand yard runner and a thousand yard receiver in 2021 in Taylor and Pittman uh, one Super Bowl again won the Super Bowl on the staff of Doug Peterson coach Carson Wentz during his MVP run uh, almost MVP run uh, during that stress went stretch Wentz was one of six quarterbacks in NFL history to throw for 20 plus touchdowns and 10 or fewer interceptions in three consecutive seasons he joined Tom Brady Drew Brees Peyton Manning Aaron Rodgers Russell Wilson and, and you know look that was Carson forget Wentz. how good Wentz actually was man <laughs> right that was pre- Knee injury Carson Wentz. Wentz bars. (laughs) Pre-injury Carson Wentz was a monster. Um, Last year, the Jaguars' offense was ninth in points per game, and and you know Trevor Lawrence, like I like I was saying, Trevor Lawrence is plus Wentz. You know, like he Wentz was never the prospect Trevor Lawrence was. So. He's in his hands now. What could they do with that offense that was already ninth in points per game last last year? 14th in rushing percentage, which is 57%. 18th, uh, I'm sorry, 14th in pass percentage, 57%. 18th in rush percentage, 42%. On the addition side, technically they added Calvin Ridley. He is new to the field this year, although he's not new to the roster. Running back, Dearness Johnson. Running back, Jamichael Hasty. Rookie running back, Tank Biz, 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 Bigsby. Bigsby. There it is. Um, Rookie running back Parker Washington and rookie tight end Brenton Strange. Um, and the, the, basically they're bringing back the same unit with Calvin Ridley and with the rookies um, on top of that. Jawan Taylor, though, offensive tackle, uh, he is not going to play for them this year. So, look, we have ourselves a team on the rise. And these are always the hardest teams to predict in fantasy because where does projection start where does history start? Where do those two two things mix? I think those those are the wild cards that win championships. And, and we're gonna have people on this team, on this Jaguars team, that are going to win people championships or lose people championships, depending on where you think the Jaguars are ready to go. And that all depends on their quarterback, their number one guy, um, Mr. Trevor Lawrence himself. So let's get into quarterbacks. Uh, Matthew, talk to us about the golden god. Sunshine himself, Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> Fire. I, Trevor, like, you can't, I don't even look at Trevor Lawrence's first season as existing because of Urban Meyer. Like, I literally give that kid a mulligan completely. His first season is, is essentially non-consequential for me in, in projecting Trevor Lawrence forward. So his rookie season under Doug Peterson, his first season under a capable NFL head coach, somebody that didn't literally have wide receivers running routes into each other as designed plays, um, was incredibly successful and obviously he made a huge leap as a sophomore he went from 605 passes a rookie completed just 59.6 percent for 3,641 yards 12 touchdowns that was 12.9 points per game to having a top 7 epa top 10 in rushing yards uh top five in rushing pds for quarterback jumping from 12.9 to 17.9 points per game finishing as a top 12 fantasy quarterback finishing top 12 in all counting stats as well 25 touchdowns over 4,000 yards 66.3 percent so I mean, the kid lit it up. He looked like an absolute superstar. But I think a lot of people also forget that it took a while. 
like a lot of Trevor Lawrence's averages and, and part of the reason why he didn't break that 19, you know, higher end, closer to 20 point per game of a, of a top QB one is because it took so long. He struggled a little bit through the half of the season. And then him and Ingram seemed to find a crazy connection. And for seven weeks, Trevor Lawrence was the second best quarterback in fantasy behind only Jalen Hurts. Um, and he was tied with Patrick Mahomes in points per game during that stretch. So he really lit off down the last seven weeks of the season. So I'm projecting a little bit more of that chunk as well moving forward. I like Trevor Lawrence's ADP right now too. He is kind of the perfect like late round QB build for me. Uh, you're going to get him at QB eight to nine. That's 66 to 70th overall in best ball and on um, fantasy pros ADP. So I like Trevor Lawrence in that range, but it's also like, I don't think, I think you kind of saw a bit of a ceiling in rushing production. It could increase a little bit, but five rushing touchdowns is, is, is honestly quite a bit for a quarterback that isn't known as a rushing quarterback. Um, but then again, you add Calvin Ridley. So it's like he did all of this with Christian Kirk as his wide receiver one, with Trevor Etienne not really getting involved in the pass game. Um, and now he has Tank Bigsby as well, who I really like as a prospect, but should at least help the offense, you know, move the ball on shorter yard situations, get more first downs and things of that nature. So I, I think the Jaguars are going to, stay right around that top 10 scoring offense. And obviously a sec, well, third year, I was almost going to fall into my own trap, but a third year Trevor Lawrence is, is means a lot of good things. Uh, second year with Doug Peterson, again, Doug Peterson and getting back familiar coach who has had lots of success developing quarterbacks, unlocked, you know, a bit of that Jalen Hurts before he left Indianapolis. And yeah, I, I, I like this offense a lot, but I also think the expectations are getting a little high. I agree. I think that he's a, it's, it's kind of like everyone agrees that he's going to take the next step. And usually when everyone agrees on something, it either goes horribly wrong or incredibly well. So Trevor Lawrence has, he has some, it, there's no in between. It's not like Trevor Lawrence can't just land because I feel like in between is horrible. You know what I mean? People are, like you said, the expectations people are. People will be disappointed at in between. Yep. 100%. So he's got to mm -hmm. take the leap or people are going to be disappointed here. Uh, generational prospect. And this is the time. Uh, especially with his new weapons. Let's talk about one of the weapons that he had in college and still has today, the running back, Travis Etienne. A lot of people um, a little worried about Travis Etienne uh, with the drafting of Tank Bigsby. Michael, how are you feeling about uh, the man with the three-letter last name uh, on Twitter, Etienne? Yeah. Travis Etienne reminds me of like uh, draft season DeAndre Swift over the last two years. He's a guy you think can be like CMC light <clears throat> if given the full backfield to himself, but he hasn't really been giving that full opportunity over a course of an entire season yet it took until week seven last year for him to get a snap share above 52 percent remember james robinson was getting a ton of work <clears throat> in the beginning of the season before he ended yeah. up being cut which is traded wild. traded to the jets uh traded whatever cut. now he's been cut by the patriots he's he's gonna be a free agent this year either way uh beginning week seven once he started playing more G guys like Jamichael Hasty still mixed in and such, but from then on, Travis Etienne saw over 70% of the snaps in all but two games, and one of those he missed time with an injury, and one was a blowout win where he compiled 140 yards and a touchdown anyways. Um, he produced four RB1 performances in those 10 games, and he saw three or more targets in seven of those 10 games as well. He was very good, very efficient. Now Travis Etienne is going off the board at around RB14, um, RB14 on underdog and FFPC currently. And look, you know who 
Travis Etienne kind of reminds me of here as a third round pick coming off a big ish season, maybe exploding. Austin Eckler, a little bit. The year after um, when he was a third round pick and then he absolutely exploded. And every year since, he's been a no brainer first round pick. I'm not saying that Travis Etienne is Austin Eckler. However, like Eckler, he's going to be the top back on the team who's also going to catch passes, who's on a very good offense, an up and coming offense so now like uh matt mentioned the jaguars are also adding calvin ridley to the fray which ninth most points per game last season jacksonville was that i don't think that's going to be like i think they're going to be there at least this year too they're going to be a good offense on the back of trevor lawrence and travis Etienne as long as he stays healthy and i know people are concerned about tank bigsby but he's a third round draft pick bruising back i get that but his efficiency dropped each year in college, and I know his time at Auburn was a bit of a mess with the coaching and and everything that happened there. But I'm not going to question Travis Etienne's role in this backfield. Sure, Bigsby may take some uh, short yardage work. Maybe he'll steal a touchdown here and there. But I do think it's going to be Travis Etienne for 70-plus percent of the snaps. And I think there's some real upside here at his current ADP of RB14. I could certainly see him ending as an RB1 this year. I love I love ETN's ADP this year. Matt Matt's been on the ETN train for a long time. I mean, I, I love I love him as a prospect. He's probably my favorite player on that offense. Yeah, he passes the eye test. I know he hasn't done it on the field quite yet, but it's still early, and he passes the eye test. He's a guy that he's a strong player on a strong team, and there's there's something to be said about that, especially when you can get him later. Uh, he's one of my favorite my favorite picks in like the fourth, maybe early fifth round. Oh, well, he's going um, to the, in the third, late third. Yeah, but one, but if you can get him in the fourth, like that's a freaking yeah. He that's do a be no, yeah, he's he, you know it's it, we'll see when draft season is upon us at the end of these thirty two days. Uh, well, actually, on uh, yeah, an underdog in FFPC, you could get him in the fourth round fairly yeah. often, which is yeah, that's a give me that he all do, day. He do be slipping sometimes, that's for sure. Same no, with no. Kenneth Walker, be slipping a lot lately too. I saw him as ADP <laughs> drop like eighteen spots in an underdog draft today, and I was like, I guess so. Then like I'll take that pick. Uh, look, one of the reasons why we like ATN is because of the wide receiver options. One of them that has been added, uh, is the biggest question. What do we expect from Calvin Ridley this season? We have not seen Calvin Ridley on the field since first he had like that nervous breakdown, which I read about it on the, in the, um, in the player's tribune, he wrote an article about it and man, you got a feel for the guy. I'm not, he he was going through some stuff. Uh, and, and then he got suspended for, putting like $1,500 on his team to win. He didn't really understand. He was like the first person to do something like this. He said he didn't. Anyway, he's back. And it's remember, it's he's only 28 years old. He gives off a lot more of older vibes, I feel like. To put that into perspective, 28 years old, 28-year-old receivers, it can be eh or eh. Some of these guys, are gonna. I'm going to say their name, and you're going to be like, oh, that guy's young. And the other guys, I'm going to say another guy's name. You can be like, oh, he's an old man. For example, Stefan Diggs, 28 years old. He's young, right? He's still young. Devontae Adams, he's still got it. Uh, St- uh, Tyreek Hill. Oh, no reason to worry about him. Okay, you also got Robert Woods, Randall Cobb, Alan Randall Robinson. Cobb, like 28. Yeah, you're looking at, I don't know about that Randall Cobb information. Where's Fake it? news out here. I'm sorry, Robert Woods. Add a, yeah, add a, Robert Woods is like 29. Right, Allen Robinson. These guys feel 29. a lot older. There you go. Them, there right? now you're back on track. <laughs> right, right. So those guys seem a lot older. So you have you have 28 is 
Eh, but he hasn't played the last two years. Does that actually help him? Uh, I think there's something to be said about that. Let's not forget, Calvin Ridley's an absolute beast. Last time he was on the field, he was seventh in the NFL on targets. This is the first, this is, he only had one year without Julio Jones. And in that year, eighth in the league in receiving touchdowns with nine. He was fourth in the league in receiving yards, 1,347. Uh, he was fourth in PPR points per game. He was fifth in overall points per game. And he drastically outplayed his position in true target value. I, I've mentioned many times that I hate Matt Ryan. I, I thought he was the, one of the most overrated players. I miss shitting on Matt Ryan on a microphone uh, now that he's not playing anymore. I actually think he's going to be good in the booth. Um, but with that being said, 13th in true target value, so he wasn't even getting top 12 valued targets, and he turned that into a fourth overall points per game. And now you're putting him on this offense where he wants to. He, he has something to prove. You know, and sure. Doug Peterson knows how to maximize talent. So he's also a guy that you're getting in a kind of a steel area because people are not, you know, they're, it's it's like the Alexander Madison effect. Maybe this will be different when we get closer to the real draft days because we're still early in the process. But you're looking at his name. You're not looking at his opportunity, right? Calvin Ridley, you haven't seen this guy's name in two years. So maybe that the average guy in your league is not looking at him in a way that he can explode. But Calvin really has an opportunity to be a top 12 player this year. And you're getting him at a very big discount at the moment. So I love me some Calvin Ridley. Sign me up for some Calvin Ridley where you can get him. Uh, how do you guys feel about Calvin Ridley? I know this is a, a polarizing subject out there. I, I just I like drafted I just drafted him in Scott Fish. Yeah, and I, I haven't been. He, he's uh, awesome. I haven't been shy drafting him in best ball leagues either. All right. And, and so. to, re to go back a little bit and, and Calvin Ridley being like young at 28, you know, he's still on his rookie contract. It puts it into perspective because he also came out of the league old. Yeah. Well, he came into the, yeah. Well, cause of the Juco years, but yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Um, all right. Sorry. Something fell and just knocked everything around. All right. And let's get into the other guy then, because a lot of people are putting a lot of, uh, a lot of faith in Christian Kirk still. Uh, Christian Kirk, he had a good he season last year. Close. You know, Christian Kirk ended as the a top 20 in PPR points per game, 14.5 last year, and he hit big plays. 18, 18 big plays was eighth in the league. He had eight receiving touchdowns. He was the go-to guy for an up-and-coming quarterback, but he also got incredible usage, 22.3 target share last season. Uh, there is a 0% chance. Christian Kirk is 22.3% of the targets uh, now that Calvin Ridley, if, if Calvin Ridley stays healthy. Uh, Calvin Ridley had a 25% target share in the past two seasons post the Julio Jones era. So he went from, but even when Julio Jones was on the field, Calvin Ridley was still getting like 18, 19% of the targets, even with, even with a target hog like Julio uh, on the other side of the field. So this is a guy who demands targets. We've talked about target demand before. So I'm, I'm bullish on Calvin Ridley, but I think that Christian Kirk, where you're getting him, you're getting him, you know, like around seven, eight, last time I checked, maybe even nine. Um, those are okay places because those are those are places where you're drafting bench guys. But in that spot, I'd rather take a, a bigger upside option uh, because I just don't think he's going to get the amount of work that is necessary to be a fantasy option. Well, Kirk's certainly not being drafted as a bench piece. You're, you're bugging out a little bit there. He's being drafted as a wide receiver through your flex for the most part. So, I mean, around, so around seven. But well, if you get him around eight, he's he could be a backup. 
We're in an eight-team league starting five players, too. <laughs> in, the, in the eighth round, you're on your eighth player. Yeah. Especially if you punt quarterback, he can be your wide receiver four easily in the eighth <laughs> round. What you guys yeah. acting like I'm bugging? You are bugging. No, I mean, I'm just not. I'm not super high on Christian Kirk this season, and I, I go back through the archives. I've been a Kirk truther and, and a Kirk fan for sure. Um, but again, it, I think this is Calvin Ridley's ball to command and his targets to dominate. And I obviously believe that Trevor Lawrence is a capable enough field reader to find the open man. And Calvin Ridley is nothing but open all the time. Um, I don't think there's anything to uh, roster about on Zay Jones. Zay Jones mm-hmm. definitely overperformed last year, in my opinion. Uh, so that leaves tight yeah, end. He's a decent best ball pick. Okay. In case of injury Fine. as well, he has some upside. If, I agree if there. Because you shown it before, especially in that offense. I do agree with Mike there. I don't think there's any reason that to have him on your team at the end of a draft at this point. In a redraft league, yeah. No. Probably yeah. not. All right. So, Matt, let's get into this tight end position, bro. It's it's Evan Ingram and it's Evan Ingram standing alone. They picked up the franchise tag. They do have some depth pieces that I, I'll get into uh, during the dynasty stash portion. Oh, but Evan Ingram began the 2022 season in pretty mediocre fashion, much like Trevor Lawrence did, though, as I was talking about in the quarterback section. He only averaged 3.4 receptions for 32.4 yards and 7.2 PPR points per game through the first 11 weeks. That was tight end 26. And then to close out the season. He averaged six receptions a game for 66.8 yards and half a touchdown a game, equaling 15.9 PPR points per game. That was tight end two, trailing obviously only Travis Kelsey in PPR points per game from week 12 through week 17, or week 18 rather, obviously the extra week now. And Ingram's end of season breakout coincided with the exact moment that Trevor Lawrence crossed the threshold into elite quarterback territory. I'll drop the stats again because over the final seven weeks of 2022, Lawrence led all quarterbacks in PFF passing grade. He surpassed Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow during that stretch. He was averaging 27.2 points per game in that same stretch that Evan Ingram was tight end to overall in points per game. Um, 8.5 air yards. That was fifth 5.8% TD rate. That was six. So once Trevor Lawrence made the connection to Ingram as a more than just a, you know, a dump off more than just a check down guy, but a guy in between the, the numbers that can, you can trust because all of the catch um, and drop concerns with Ingram throughout his giants years seemed to disappear once he came to Jacksonville and they actually started throwing him the ball more consistently. And when that connection happened is really when you saw the offense take off as well, they won four games in a row. They beat the Titans in that win the AFC match, AFC South match rather made the playoffs first seed, like all of that. So Evan Ingram going off the board right now as the tight end eight, that's 98 overall, you can get him around a hundred overall. So you're looking at late ninth round. I really like Evan Ingram. He's, for me, he's the guy that if I don't get Mark Andrews or Travis Kelsey, like I genuinely am going to probably avoid Kittle. I'm probably going to avoid Goddard. I might take that shot on Waller, who goes a, roughly one round, two rounds before you're going to see Evan Ingram fly off the board. But other than that, like there's really not another tight end because he showed that in the most important time when you want a plug and play tight end that is actually going to win you weeks, he was that guy over everybody else that wasn't Travis Kelsey. And if he can do that, I'm not obviously expecting it to happen in the same stretch, but if he gives you that again, and obviously because of that stretch finished as a top eight tight end in points per game, then then you're getting him at undervalue. Um, He's the one piece on this offense that I think is being kind of forgotten about as like a legit 
high upside fantasy asset. I agree with you. I think that's that's something I didn't mention, but another reason why I'm kind of out on Kirk is because now with Ridley on the outside and Zay Jones is a more of a traditional outside receiver, Kirk's probably playing the slot, and that's kind of the same place that Evan Ingram Question. Playing. Question for you guys. Who's points per game? What like who's uh what percentage drop is bigger for Ingram or Kirk? Who do you think? In points you, per game this year compared to last year. Oh, I like who do you think is gonna like have that. a better have a bigger percentage drop off in terms of production and points I, per I, game? I, I definitely think Kirk, but I see what you're saying because Ingram's production was so much like Kirk to go from like 14.5 to 12.5 is whatever, but Ingram to drop from 15 to 11 would be pretty big. Yeah. We'll see. No, I'm, I'm taking my chance on Ingram of that, of that duo. Me All too, right. Me too. Let's, uh, and, let's finish up this. This is a spicy team. There's a spicy team, baby. We're we got the, the stick sticking with tight ends. Cause my dynasty stash is Brenton strange because of that one year contract. And as much as I obviously feel high upside on Evan Ingram, Brenton strange has already climbed to the number two on the depth chart. He has really good draft capital. They took him in the early third. Um, he's a talented runner after the catch acceleration, able to kind of blocking, 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 blocking that <laughs> it's going to keep him on the field. Should he ever get a leading role for sure? He's a catch and run threat, a creative runner. He's played a little bit of H back as well, where they used him um, as the inside outside and in the backfield. So yeah, Brenton Strange is super athletic. He obviously dominated the combine. That's where he lit up for the Jaguars and jumped their board, um, so to speak. And they felt like he was, you know, worth that draft capital. And it's a great spot for tight end draft capital. He's going to have some time to work behind Ingram too. You're not expecting rookie breakouts from any tight end. Stop doing it. So Brenton Strange is a guy that, and we're talking about stashes, right? He's super cheap. You're going to get him in the fourth round, if not off of rookie waivers. So Brenton Strange is a guy that I'll probably have a very, very high roster ship of. All right, there it is. The Dynasty Stash like it. and the Redraft Analysis. You get it both here at the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast. It is the heat wave, baby. We're starting off the AFC, heat, AFC uh, South hot like Florida. All right, uh, with that being said, I'm at Brodo Tim, at PsychWardFF, at BrotoFF Mike, at Brodo Fantasy for the entire podcast, at FF by Brodo for the app and everything that is app-related, um, customer service and whatnot. Uh, what else? Patreon.com slash Broto Fantasy, the Fantasy Football by Broto app, of course. Please support us. We would appreciate it. See ya tomorrow. Titans. Later. See ya.